Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lit. This is episode 59, and this week we are finally featuring a new artist to the pod. I feel like we've been doing so many repeat artists, authors. Where's my head? <laughs> I was going to let it go, but I was going to let it go. Yeah, I just read a, a book about music, and I guess it really stuck with me, but we finally have a new author to the pod. I feel like We've been doing so many repeat authors who we love, but this week we decided to try a new one. And we're going back to one of our favorite genres, a mystery thriller. So before we dive into it, we are going to cover Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. All right, we got a little mixed up in that intro, but (laughs) I am under the influence of antihistamines. That's very valid. So, I mean, it could be worse is what you're saying. That's a pretty mild mix up. It could be worse. Spring has definitely sprung here in the D.C. area and my allergies are in full effect this morning so not having it. <laughs> that was pretty decent for uh taking a couple benadryl so <laughs> yeah dude i would be asleep i would be passed out <laughs> so yeah you're doing good i'm just gonna fumble a little bit and maybe sneeze here and there but yeah we we're discussing our may lineup and we had discovered one we've been doing a bunch of repeat authors which we love. Uh, they're our tried and true go-to people. But we also haven't done a mystery for a while. And we both love to read those. So after reading this one, I'm now on a mystery kick. And I went to the library and got like three or four other thriller Same. books. Yeah. So that's going to be my mood for May, I think. They're so fun. I feel like thrillers are good books to really like reinvigorate you if you've been in a reading slump because they're so fast paced and when they're done well you want to keep reading you get hooked and you want to know how the plot is going to progress and I feel like nothing can get that done like a good thriller or mystery so it's been fun and they're usually like shorter books yeah yeah they're usually not that long so it's not like you're slugging through the 600 page you know marathon which I love those books don't get me wrong but yeah sometimes they're heavy they're deep so to get back into it I go to the thrillers which like just reminds me of like some of those reels or like memes that it's like guys like oh I wonder what she's listening to over there and it's like her like listening to like one of those like murder mystery podcasts (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's like what do you read to relax and get back into reading? Oh, thrillers, murder mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Horrible whodunits that make me scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So you um, had suggested this author. I think a couple of your friends had read this, like some of his books, which I didn't know until looking up this author that it was a guy. I think so, Riley. I think yes. girl. I did the same Sorry, thing. Riley. And 
I didn't know that either. And yeah, I posted a picture of this on our Instagram and someone was like, oh, I read all of his books. And I was like, wow, I definitely just thought this was a girl. Um, Automatically assumed. But then I was looking on the Wikipedia page. It's actually a pen name for a guy. Um, So it is a guy. But yeah, this was the first one I had read. But now I'm halfway through another one that I'm reading on my Kindle. And they're just like fun. I don't know. It it reminds me of like... um, Wow, I just blanked. Lucy Foley, <laughs> that's the author yes. that we've yeah read before. It reminds me of those kind of books. Not I think I the cars. not as good. Yeah, like I did. I like Lucy's books better, which but... is ironic because I'm now reading a Lucy Foley book. Yeah, but it like gets you. Yeah, I, don't it know. Gets I feel you like they complement each other. Yeah. Yes, I. I didn't realize it until you brought this author up, but his book, The House Across the Lake, has been on my uh, to-be-read list for a while. I just can't get it. Like, it's not available at the library. Yeah. Which I think might be the most recent one by him. Yes. That was one that I remember seeing, like, in bookstores and all over the place last fall for, like as a newer release and really popular and I had never read it. So yeah, maybe we'll have to do that one too. Yes. I love that. But I read this one very quickly. Um, especially after fairy tale. This is the one I read right after fairy tale. So it was much faster. Yes. Than that one. But not Total as good. Pivot. I mean, no one can be Stephen You can't compare those. Yeah, you can't compare those. But overall, I enjoyed the story, the twist at the end. Uh, Definitely, I did not see coming. That will be a discussion for sure. So ready to discuss that. And that was one of the reasons, like, I just picked this one up. Well, I think it was like 99 cents on Kindle. So I bought it. And read it and afterwards I was like ooh we need to do this one or one similar for the pod just so we can discuss this bananas twist yeah I was texting you I'm excited I was like there's a twist right there's got to be a twist to this you're like oh yeah and I can't wait till you read it and then I read it like 20 minutes later and I was like what the (laughs) heck what like I said that out loud I, as I was reading the yeah. last probably 50 pages. I was just going, what? Yeah. <laughs> what same. is happening here? Um, so, yeah, I guess before we give away too much and before we dive in, we should do the summary. So this is Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. No visitors, no nights spent away from the apartment, no disturbing the other residents all of whom are rich or famous or both. These are the only rules for Jules Larson's new job as an apartment center at the Bartholomew, one of Manhattan's most glamorous and secretive buildings. Recently heartbroken and just plain broke, Jules is captivated by the splendor of her surroundings and accepts the terms, ready to leave her past life behind. As she gets to know the residents and staff of the Bartholomew, Jules finds herself drawn to fellow apartment center Ingrid, who comfortingly reminds her of her sister who vanished eight years ago. 
When Ingrid confides that the Bartholomew is not what it seems, and that the dark history hidden beneath its gleaming facade is starting to frighten her, Jules brushes it off as a harmless ghost story, until the next day, when Ingrid disappears. Searching for the truth about Ingrid's disappearance, Jules digs deeper into the Bartholomew's sordid past and the, and the mysteries kept within its walls. What she discovers pits Jules against the clock as she races to unmask the killer, expose the building's hidden secrets, and escape a dream apartment that has quickly turned into a nightmare. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, so we were deciding which one of his books to do. And when I read this, I love a good ensemble thriller. And it kind of remem- like reminded me of Only Murders in the Building, that show on Hulu. I don't know if anybody here has watched it. I love that show. I haven't. But- but I want to watch it. It's really good. It's so good. And, okay. you know, that's probably more lighthearted than this book. And by probably, I mean, definitely. But yeah, this book it just really reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a fan of the show, you might like this book or vice versa. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yes, it's really good. And just reading about you know, New York, Manhattan, the you know Upper West Side. It reminded me of our trip to New York. I agree. It made me, like, want to go again. Yes. Oh, I would absolutely love that. I mean... Because we stayed on the Upper Yeah, West we side. stayed around Not that area. Not to brag. <laughs> I mean, yes. it felt glamorous, though. We were close to, like, Central Park, yeah, we could walk there. We walked to the Boathouse, Central Park, the oh, National History Museum. Back. I know. All right, let's go. Summer <laughs> <laughs> in New York. Like, I feel like we yes. need to experience it because we went with all the Christmas when- lights, which was amazing. Yes. But now we need to experience the opposite. Yes. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. Here we go. Okay. So. Well... This can be the official spoiler alert. You've heard the summary. You've heard a little bit of our very vague takes. So if you want to press pause and go read this book and then come back and listen to the rest of the pod because we will be doing deep dive and talking about the spoilers and the big twist at the end. So there's your warning. So this book starts out with a banger with our main character Jules Larson waking up in a hospital and she's trying to piece together what's happened and she learns she's been hit by a car but she can't really remember too much at this point but all she says is like please don't make me go back there yes so which gets immediately you hooked, hooked find out what happened at the Bartholomew and then it quickly does a flashback to like six days earlier and we're just going to put this here it flashes back and forth between past and present you know the first few chapters six days earlier and then present and then five days earlier but because we ourselves are already non-linear we're going to try (laughs) and follow the linear plot (laughs) to avoid too much confusion Because it's really just piecing out, like, she'll start to remember little things from the hospital that you've already learned about. So we don't need to, you know, 
go back and forth yeah. as much. Yeah. And it just so. keeps you interested in, to see what's going to happen. Yes. So, as we said in the summary, Jules is broke. She just broke up with her boyfriend who she caught cheating on her. And she desperately needs a place to stay. Right now, she's staying with her best friend, Chloe. But she feels like she's kind of encroaching on her territory. You know, she has a boyfriend. Things are getting a little crowded for the three of them in that department. That department. Wow. Okay, Benadryl. <laughs> in that apartment. <laughs> so she saw an ad in the newspaper for an apartment center at the Bartholomew, which is kind of like a dream come true to her because she read this book called Heart of a Dreamer that is set at the Bartholomew. And it's kind of like this coming of age story, like little teenage romance about this girl, Jenny, who grew up in the Bartholomew. And she's like, this is my chance to like live that childhood dream and it brought her closer to her sister Jane who as we mentioned went missing eight years previous and she has no idea what happened to her and the Bartholomew is like iconic Manhattan it's yes this old like historic looking building that's known for you know, rich or wealthy people. It's got these gargoyles along the top of it. It's got spectacular views of the city. Like, it definitely could be seen as a status thing. Yes. Living at the Bartholomew or apartment sitting there. So there's that part of it too, where she's like, oh my gosh, this is a once in a lifetime chance. Almost this job is too good to be true of like, I get to get paid to stay in this apartment in this insanely fancy building. So he's all about it. And Chloe is like, this is too good to be true. Like something about this is suspicious. It doesn't seem right. And I don't think you should do it. Which I agreed with Chloe. I was like, this seems weird. (laughs) Like three months apartment sitting, they would pay her a thousand dollars a week to just live in the apartment. I was like, yeah. Especially says, yeah. When we get into the rules because she goes, Jules goes to meet with um, the like head of the apartment complex, Leslie Evelyn, who is like the apartment manager, I guess. And she's tells her that the previous resident passed away. And so they just need someone to house it until the family figures out what they're going to do with the apartment because they don't, like them sitting empty too long so that people, you know, don't try to break in or don't try, don't try to squat in there. But she asked, I'm like, with all the security at the building, is that really a concern? Yeah. If you're in a, you know, I'm already asking questions. Yeah. And security cameras. And I feel like squatters aren't going to try to break into a really famous and prominent building. Like, right. we're going to go to the ones that are half abandoned anyways, but whatever. Um, so they're doing this interview and Leslie's asking some weird questions like about her family and her health background. And Jules is like, that was the weird is, thing for me. The weirdest this thing. This is weird, like- but whatever. And she's telling her that she doesn't really have any family around because her sister's gone and her parents are dead and. You know, she doesn't have a job right now. There's nowhere she's basically like no one that would be checking up on her, which is kind of a red flag that they're asking yeah. about. And then she goes into the rules of 
you have to be at the apartment every night. Like you're free to come and go as you want during the day, but you have to stay the night at the apartment. Like no going out of town for a weekend or going to a friend's house overnight or whatever. And you're not allowed to have guests in the apartment at all. Yeah. Which that was the biggest red flag to me. And the yeah. biggest, if I was that person, I'd be like, well, no. Or I'll say yes, but I'm still going to have my friends come over. Right. I Yeah. The whole thing. I was like, run, Jules. Like, this is not worth it. Yeah. But she is, you know, blinded by the money and want and the the chance to stay there and you know feel the connection to her sister because this book was her sister's favorite book and they talked about it growing up and that was what made them both dream of going to new york and you know mm-hmm. seeing the Bar- Bar- bartholomew so yeah she ends up taking the job and signs the agreement that she'll follow all the rules and kind of just kicks it off Yes, but I think the interesting thing was the rules were introduced to her after she agreed because she had already told Chloe, oh, yeah, you can come over and do all this stuff. And then she had to tell Chloe, like, no. And Chloe was my favorite because she was, like, the most realistic of them all. She's like, this is weird. (laughs) Please come just. (laughs) Chloe was definitely the best. She was. Yeah. Like, probably my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, but then Jules, you know, she's starting to meet some of the residents at the Bartholomew. She meets another apartment sitter named Dylan. He doesn't seem super friendly. Um, and she's starting to kind of settle in there. But she discovers that the previous resident at the... Um, Bartholomew was named Marjorie Milton. You know, she's like doing some little, some digging through the apartment, like sees like magazines or old photographs tucked away in drawers. And she's just trying to piece together who lived there before she did. Um, And she also sees a copy of Heart of a Dreamer, which is, which was her favorite book, still is her favorite book um, from her childhood that connects her to her sister jane but part of the apartment um it's like very old school she's on the top floor so that's where like the servants would live and work um in the olden days and then the bottom apartments were for the residents and there's a dumb waiter in the apartment and so she hears kind of like the sound of that rising up and she goes over and there's a note from the apartment sitter in the apartment below her Ingrid welcoming her to the Bartholomew, um, which I thought was kind of like a cool messaging system. I know. But she also I... like sent it with like on the backs of poems, which is kind of weird. I never re- like figured out why she did that. Well, I took it as she just like ripped paper out of like a book that was left in the apartment or something. And that yeah, just that's add- true. It just adds like another creepy or poetic like layer to it of yeah just a normal piece of paper um so yeah she and ingrid kind of start up this little friendship like through passing notes through the dumbwaiter and she that kind of makes her feel 
less alone because one of yeah. the other rules was like don't talk to the other residents don't bother them like yeah apartment sitters are supposed to be seen and not heard or not even seen and you know there's wealthy people that live here and they don't like to be bothered and so she just feels strange you know like yeah not welcomed really so when she and ingrid get to have this interaction and talk she's like oh, okay there's someone else norm like quote unquote normal here too um and yeah she's kind of gone on like she's ran into a couple other people that live in the building um like there's a famous actress that lives there with her dog that she's run into before and then she runs into greta manville who's the author of heart of a dreamer and she lives there in the bartholomew and Jules kind of does the, like, fangirl thing of mm -hmm. wanting to talk to her. And Greta is really rude and cold and just not, not yeah. interested. Which is, Which is kind of, of a bummer. Yeah. Never meet your heroes, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and meanwhile, but with this, too, like, Chloe's put off that she can't come visit. And she just can't let it go. Mm -hmm. So she, <laughs> Chloe has started doing some back research on this place and is like, things are really weird here. So she, yeah. sends, she sends Jules some articles about like suspicious things that have happened or like rumors that this building's haunted and just all of the bad vibes that come with the Bartholomew, which yeah. I love. Like, I love that Chloe's yeah. like, I am not going to go we need to understand. Yeah, like there was some lady in a cult that killed her maid. There were a bunch of servants who died during the Spanish flu epidemic because like the ventilation in the building was so bad um, that it spread very, very quickly. And it was supposed to be this haven for the rich, you know, so they were supposed to be safe, but all the servants died. Just a lot of strange deaths and disappearances at the Bartholomew. Yeah. So, and the original owner, like, had jumped off, had committed suicide by jumping off the roof. Yeah. Or, like, the original owner's son or something. So just, yeah, lots of strange happenings. Right. So Jules does her grocery run, and when she's coming back, you know, full of, her hands are full of groceries, she actually runs into Ingrid for the first time, quite literally. They collide in the entryway. Her groceries go flying. She ends up getting a cut on her back arm. And the built-in doorman, Charlie, is like, you know, don't worry about it. I'll get this cleaned up. You've obviously cut your arm. Um, let's take you upstairs. One of our residents is a doctor. And so Leslie Evelyn was also mysteriously there. But she kept popping up. Yes. At the most convenient time. So I was already suspicious of her. I'm like, why is she always around? She um, gave me bad vibes from the get-go. Oh, yeah. But Nick, Dr. Nick didn't. He was, I mean, he did, oh, but he didn't. I was immediately I, suspicious. <laughs> I wanted better. I I was hoping that he wouldn't be yeah. suspicious. Yeah, so Charlie and Leslie get 
Jules up to his apartment and, you know, he stitches her up. Of course, he's very good looking. They have some little flirtatious banter going on. And I was immediately suspicious of it. I was like, what's up with this dude? But um, afterwards, Ingrid then asks Jules to meet up at Central Park. And she's like, I'm so sorry for the run-in. Like, I didn't see you. Just attached to my phone, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Ingrid's, like, quite a bit younger than Jules. Um, she has, like, a kind of a similar background. You know, nobody... She has, like, really no attachments, no solid relationships. She's bounced around from city to city. And she also saw this apartment-sitting job as something, like, that's too good to be true. Um, so you start to see the similarities there of, like, oh, that's weird. Like, two single women with really no ties to the outside world um, are picked for this apartment job. And there's so many, like, apartment sitters there. That was, like... Also something I was questioning. I was like, one unit, okay. But now we have Ingrid, Jules, and Dylan. Yeah. Why are so many apartments empty? And Ingrid tells her about the previous apartment sitter for 12A, this woman named Erica Mitchell, who had left two months early. Like every, it seems like all of them are three month jobs. But she left after just a month, which this is a shock to Jules because she was told that she is house sitting because the previous owner died. She didn't know Mm -hmm. that there was another apartment sitter in between. But Ingrid kind of lets that slip. And she's like, well, let's meet for lunch and we'll talk about it. Yeah, you know, I'll give you more information. So they agree to meet for lunch the next day. Yeah, but before they part, Ingrid's like, this place scares me. You know, like she's all bright and happy to start with their conversation. But before they leave, she suddenly gets like very serious. And she's like, I don't know what's going on here, but it scares me. And I don't trust anybody in this building. And Jules is kind of like, whoa, okay. First Chloe, now you, and you've been here for a while. This is starting to feel a little suspicious, which (laughs) I don't know why it's just now starting to feel suspicious, but she's starting to catch on that. Maybe not as all as it seems at the Bartholomew. Yeah. I mean, it was suspicious from minute one (laughs) of the For literally everybody else, yes. Yeah. Um, So that night, Jules is, you know, oh, back at. It's okay. <laughs> Jules I is back at the apartment and she hears what she thinks is a scream in the middle of the night. And it sounds like it's coming from below her, from Ingrid's apartment. And she's sure that's what it is. So she goes downstairs to check it out and knock on the door and, like, make sure that Ingrid's okay. And. She opens the door, like she knocks, waits a little bit. Ingrid finally opens the door and Jules is like, are you okay? I thought I heard a scream. And Ingrid looks really off, like she Mm -hmm. looks frazzled and stressed, but she says, no, no, I'm fine. You you must have been hearing something. I didn't scream. Nothing happened. And Jules like, okay, well, if you need any help, you know, let me know or if you need something. 
and Jules or Ingrid just says, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like, it's just acting really odd. Yeah. So like she Jules- looks scared and she's like fidgeting, like she's digging around in her pocket. She yeah. won't open the door all the way. So like something is definitely up with her. She's the very opposite from like the bright, bubbly, friendly personality that she was earlier in the day. Yes. And so Jules is like, okay, you know, kind of weird. She doesn't feel right about it, but she just goes back up and goes to sleep or goes back to her apartment and tries to go back to sleep. So then the next day um, is when she and Ingrid had made plans to meet up for lunch again, like they were going to start doing, and she doesn't show up to their meeting Mm -hmm. spot at Central Park. And Jules is texting her, like, hey, are we still on? Are you, what, where are you at? Is this the right place? Is it the right time? And she won't get, she can't get any answers out of Ingrid. And so Jules is like, well, that's really odd. Like, I just saw her. So Jules heads back to the Bartholomew after waiting around for a while. And, you know, Ingrid doesn't show up. And when she heads back, she runs into Leslie, Evelyn, the apartment manager, and she was asking about Ingrid, and Leslie's like, oh, she left in the middle of the night. She doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, and just suddenly. Yeah, Jules just thinks that is so strange, because she's like, okay, something happened overnight where I heard this scream. Ingrid was asking, acting weird. She didn't say anything about leaving, and now she suddenly is gone? That doesn't make sense. But she's... And- <laughs> She's just slow on the uptake. I'm like, you have to have these super obvious things happen. <laughs> to right. Be like, oh, this seems weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Jules. Jules, Jules, Jules. Yes. But she so, does what any young girl would do or any millennial girl would do. And she's like, I'm going to figure something out. And she just starts immediately yes. social media stalking her. trying to find anything she can any like clue about what's happening and so she does find her on instagram and had seen where she had posted a picture of like the exterior of the bartholomew and someone had commented on it so this is like i don't know this is crazy but i also loved jules yeah for going to this length (laughs) Because she finds, like, some random guy that had interacted with Ingrid after this post about the Bartholomew and is, like, messaging him and trying to get information. Yeah. I don't She's know. Like, that was hey, just so like, extra. I loved Ingrid. it. Yeah. It was very millennial of her, like you yes. said. Um, But, yeah, it says, like, the post from the Bartholomew is also a picture of Heart of a Dreamer. And she's like, just met the author today. So Jules puts two and two together and she's like, okay, so Greta Manville, the author, also ran into Ingrid. She wasn't that friendly, but I think it's worth a conversation to see if Ingrid told Greta why she left or if she heard anything that night because Greta lives directly below Ingrid. And she's like, so if I heard a scream, then maybe Greta also heard a scream. Let's go see, you know, what she knows. So She goes to the apartment kind of on the pretense of apologizing for bothering her in the lobby. And Greta, like, 
begrudgingly lets her into the apartment and she's like I just have a few questions if you knew Ingrid and she's like I didn't hear anything last night uh it's an old building whatever and I barely knew Ingrid like we met in the lobby whatever ran into each other had some passing remarks so she goes and sees the other apartment sitter Dylan who I think lived on the same floor as Ingrid um yes. And he says the same thing. I don't know. I don't really know her. I didn't hear anything about her um, last night. I didn't hear anything coming from that apartment. And then he kind of like brushes her off and runs down the stairs, like going somewhere. And he was like, I was like, I think he, the author wants him to be suspicious, but I was never like sold on him as like a potential suspect. I was like, nah, it's somebody in the, in the building. No, but I, he just, I don't know. I didn't think of him as, like, a suspect or anything, but he definitely was giving weird vibes, which he was supposed to. Like, he just acted very strange. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, like, wasn't very friendly, not very forthcoming. Like, when they had conversations, they were, like, very short on his end, and then he would, like, flee the scene. But, yeah, it was, he was, like, a very minor character, that I didn't really care about. <laughs> yeah. Until he he's a min- he started out as a minor character, but he kind of circles back. Well then yeah, but then he becomes minor again. Well yeah. I don't know. I you know, I don't know. I <laughs> more than I thought I originally would. Yeah. That's true. But... He played a bigger part than I expected. But yes. um after she talks to Dylan, she runs into Nick and ends up asking him um, to grab a bite to eat to ask him more about like the history of the Bartholomew. And she's thinking, you know, like, let's go out somewhere. And he's like, oh, well, I have some leftover pizza in my apartment. And I'm like, girlfriend, do not go with him. Yeah, that's a red flag. Do not go sure. with him. So she's like, well, he's cute. And she goes up to his apartment, which Jules, I'm like really questioning your decision making skills here. Yeah. Um, but she's asking him like how he came to live at the Bartholomew because he's one of the youngest residents, and he reveals that he's like a legacy there. Like his grandparents were friends with Greta's grandparents, and you know they passed the apartments down um, through the family, which is also what Greta told her. She's like, "I lived here before, and then I left and I came back because this is where I grew up, and you know this is home to me." Basically, Nick is a Nepo baby. He is a Nepo baby. (laughs) That's how he's gotten this great, crazy apartment on the top floor that's, you know, so nice. is because it was just passed down from his rich grandparents. Right. And he tries to, like, own it. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm here because my family, like, how am I supposed to afford this myself? La, la, la. But, yeah. So... So Oh, well, after... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we talked about how Chloe had been sending all these articles and stuff to Jules, and she'd only been, like, half-assed looking into it at that point. But now now that Ingrid's gone, she's, like, really digging into all of the history um, and reading about, like, the servants' quarters and the mass death after the flu things about murders there's like rumored 
to have haunted stairwells mm-hmm. and the murder of the servant from this rich apartment lady. And so she's getting kind of freaked out by all of this stuff. So then she kind of, she's in the apartment and she's like, oh, I should go look in the dumbwaiter. Like maybe Ingrid sent me something since that's kind of how they'd communicated. She finally kind of puts that together of like, maybe I should check to see if anything's off because the dumbwaiter goes right to her apartment, Ingrid's apartment. So she opens it and she finds the key to a storage unit and a note from Ingrid that just says like, be careful. Yeah. So now she's immediately suspicious that like, yeah, Ingrid left in the middle of the night, but something must have been wrong for her to leave me this note. Mm -hmm. And so she knows that each storage or each apartment has a storage unit in the basement. And so this must be the key to the one that Ingrid had. So she goes downstairs she passes in a, like, a random employee who's down there smoking. And she's like, don't tell Leslie that I'm down here smoking, doing whatever. And in- Jules talks to her briefly and is trying to find the storage unit um, and get inside to see what Ingrid has left her. And she gets in there and right as she does this guy Zeke who is the guy that Ingrid had messaged or that who Jules had messaged because she and Ingrid were friends he and Ingrid were friends he finally gets back to her and is like yeah I don't really know much about Ingrid she called me when she went moved to New York I haven't seen her since like a week ago when she asked me if I could get a gun for her to buy Mm mm-hmm And Jules is like, that's weird. Well, she goes in the storage unit and she finds the gun that Ingrid had bought from Zeke on this like black market deal. So now she's super suspicious because Ingrid was scared enough about everything happening at the Bartholomew that she felt like she needed a gun to protect herself. And she felt like she needed to leave the gun to Jules. So now she's getting even more freaked out, which... She should be. I mean, she should have just kept like, run before this. Yeah, All, any it, of this went down. <laughs> the time to run was past, but was yeah, was before you even agreed. Yeah, but, the time to run was when they said no one can come in the apartment. Yeah, that would be it. For exactly. Me. That would be yeah. Draw. Um. But Jules takes the gun back up to her apartment. She kind of hides it under the sink. And decides what to do with it later. So she falls asleep on the couch. And then she wakes up to smoke everywhere in the apartment. And somebody pounding on the door. So she goes to the door. And Nick is there. And he's like, obviously, there's a fire. We need to get out of here. And he starts, you know, helping her down the stairs. Um, Jules breaks off. She goes to Greta's apartment. You might be this, you know curmudgeonly old lady but we gotta help you get out of here so she saves Greta and then um, she sees the little the soap actor's uh, dog is like on the landing on another floor so she grabs him and they all make it out of the apartment on time and this was something else that made me want to scream though reading this book because what well Greta's old 
mm-hmm. whatever. And first of all, I was like, okay, Jules, none of this is your problem. Like, let Dr. Nick be the hero, go in and save everybody, whatever. But then they're like taking the elevator. Yeah, well, yeah, because she was like, like, I know you know, no, but these people are old. Yeah, I'm like, I know, but it just was driving me crazy. I was like, I don't know, it just was stressing me out that they were gonna like get stuck in the elevator or something. Yeah, you're supposed to do that at all, but I know she made some questionable decisions, so she's like the hero of the Bartholomew. Yeah, was the most was the best part of that to me. Like, forget all Oh, yeah. I'm glad she saved the dog. But Yeah, me too. I'm like, I can't believe the owner just left him there. I'd be, like, chasing my cat down. Like, you get back here. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to save you. (laughs) Um, But luckily, there was not a whole lot of structural damage outside of the apartment where the fire originated, which turned out to be one of the other elderly residents, Mr. Leonard, um, who had had he has heart problems. He has the live-in nurse to help take care of him. And he had a heart attack while cooking, which caused the fire. So Chloe sees a picture of Jules in the news because of the fire. It's like this heroic picture of her walking out, you know, covered in soot from the fire with Rufus under one arm. Rufus is the dog and like helping Greta out from the other. And, um, Jules starts to tell Chloe about Ingrid, who has gone missing, and Chloe's like, I think you want to help solve Ingrid's disappearance because of what happened to your sister. Um, And then Chloe's like, I'm leaving for the weekend with my boyfriend to go to Vermont. Um, Please leave that place. You can stay in my apartment. I'll lend you some cash. Just, like, get out of there. And once again... Jules declines her offer and was like I feel like I have to stay here that was also unrealistic to me too because if I was feeling that bad of vibes and you or one of my other friends was like okay then just come stay at my house I've been like yes okay I'm gonna come over thank you yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely I would stay there I would invite myself over at this point I'd be like by the way I'm sleeping on your couch and Hopefully you can lend me some money (laughs) while I look for a job. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So after the fire and everything settled down, Greta invites Jules to lunch to thank her for helping her during the fire. And Jules kind of opens up to Greta about her family and her history about how her parents, you know, died in a fire. She doesn't tell Greta that the fire was set intentionally because her family was being like buried by medical debt, basically because their mom had cancer and they couldn't deal with it. So her dad, like basically, I don't know, poisoned her mom to kill her in her sleep and then set the house on fire to kill himself and make it look like they just died from this fire. Yeah. But really it was intentional. It was like a murder suicide. And then the insurance. I I read that that. differently. I read it was an agreement between the two of them. 
Yeah, but but no, I kind of I kind of like your darker side. Makes it well. I mean, no, I think the mom agreed to it, but it was still like he had to feed her the pills or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe she did take him on her own. Either way, it was just they did kind of have this plan together. It's not like he purposely killed her out of vengeance. I took it as yeah. more of like a out of my misery thing. Oh, and yeah. He was going to sure. kill himself in trying to stage it like a fire so they could get their insurance money. But mm-hmm. then the insurance found out that it was staged and wouldn't pay. So that is kind of how Jules is in this whole mess, which, like, that's traumatic. This girl has trauma. Absolutely. On trauma. So it's, it's awful. Yes. And Greta is kind of changing her tune and feeling sympathetic towards Jules and like not being as rude and harsh as she was at their first meeting. And so Jules kind of opens up to her about Ingrid and Greta's like, well, maybe you should like call around to some of the homeless shelters or the hospitals and see if she showed up anywhere there. And so Mm -hmm. Jules does, she takes that advice. She finds a picture of Ingrid online and starts showing it around at some shelters and she doesn't see Jules or she doesn't see Ingrid, but she runs into a woman named Bobby who's like, well, I'm here a lot. Give me your number. And if I see someone like this, I will let you know if I see this girl, Mm -hmm. which I also thought this was a little suspicious, but yeah, it's like all of a sudden she she changed her tune. Yeah. But she, Jules gives her her number to this lady at the homeless shelter and is like yeah let me know if you see this girl Mm -hmm. so then it's like the next day and Jules ex-boyfriend Andrew has showed up at the Bartholomew because he also had seen the picture in the paper and he'd been trying to call and text Jules and like apologize and explain his mm-hmm. actions and mm-hmm. Jules was blowing him off rightly as she should as she should <laughs> yes and so just at this moment Nick comes through the lobby and she uses this as a chance to kind of like show up to Andrew or show off and she gets Nick to pretend to be her boyfriend so that mm-hmm. Andrew will leave her alone and she can make him jealous of like yeah, you know, you cheated on me, but now I'm living in this building and I have this boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. And so Nick goes along with it. They do the whole, you know, standard play on words thing. But, which was cute. Like, I wanted to, I wanted Nick (laughs) to be good. I wanted. I know. You always want him to be good, but they never are in these books. So, I know, yeah, but I wanted him too. I know, yeah, we're getting our head ahead of ourselves, but I trust him. I was like, mm, Jules, be careful. Yeah. Um, but she talks to Charlie about the like security footage, and he says the cameras malfunctioned around the time Ingrid left, which convenient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then next she visits Marianne Duncan, who's the owner of the dog. And, you know, the soap actress. And she says, I don't, you know, I didn't know anything about that girl. But she's also, like, stop asking questions. And she starts to get a little sketchy, too. And as she turns around to leave Marianne's apartment, 
there's Leslie again, just popping up at all times out of nowhere. And she, you know, reminded her of the rule to not bother the residents. And she's like, if I catch you doing this again, you're going to be kicked out. She goes back up to Nick and is like, he helped me in the situation with, with Andrew. Maybe he'll help me find the answers to Ingrid's disappearance. So she had this idea to use the dumb waiter um, to lower herself down into Ingrid's old apartment to find some clues. So she enlists Nick to be the one to like operate the dumb waiter and he'll text her if somebody's coming, you know, he's keeping an eye out in the hallway to make sure Leslie your nobody goes to that apartment. When so I she's... tell you the anxiety this gave me <laughs> yes. of her getting herself into this dumbwaiter. Yeah. I First of all, like, that tiny little space. Yes. I was like, absolutely not would I no. fold myself into this dumbwaiter <laughs> and trust someone to lower me down. Just yeah, to go someone you don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So... She snoops around the apartment. There's really nothing left of Ingrid's, but she finds an inscribed copy of Heart of a Dreamer addressed to Ingrid from Greta. So she knows immediately that Greta was lying about how well she knew Ingrid and how much they had talked. Mm -hmm. And like the inscription said something like, it was so nice to meet you. Like your youthfulness gives me life. Just something very generic or seemingly generic. But she runs out of the apartment. You know, Nick's like, somebody's coming. Like, get out of there fast. They meet up on the landing, um, the 12th floor landing between their apartments. And they get caught up in the moment and they sleep together. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, like I said, I want him to be good. I wanted. But it's also sketchy. I'm like, Jules, that's a bold choice. When yeah. everyone in this apartment is weird. Everyone in this yeah. building is odd. But she thought he she was, was the one that she could trust. She was blinded by the good looks in the doctor. Yeah. She's caught up in the moment, man. So like she wakes up the next day and she uses the excuse of, Oh, I, you know, left the apartment um unguarded for one night. I don't want to get in trouble. So she goes back to her apartment. And she, like, tosses the key on the side table, but they fall off and down into the grate next to the door, which happened, like, the very first day she moved in. And Charlie showed her how to retrieve them. So she unscrews the grate to get her keys, and she sees a bunch of other little items, like children's toys, wrappers, down in there. But she also sees a cell phone. And she's like, this is weird. So she charges the phone, and when it comes back to life, she sees that she recognizes the woman like on the wallpaper and it's Erica Mitchell, who is the previous apartment sitter for 12A. And she was last seen about two weeks ago. So she remembered seeing her on a missing poster in the neighborhood. So she goes to that poster, calls the number on it and Dylan, one of the other apartment sitters picks up. So she tells him, who she is and what's going on. And they meet up at the Natural History Museum to kind of discuss what happened to Erica and what's going on at the Bartholomew. That was a weird little twist to me. Like, mm -hmm. that was something I did not expect was it being Dylan, the apartment. Like I said, I thought he was a very minor character, but he does come into play here. Yeah, exactly. But 
he's being really weird about like we have to meet up at this yeah at the natural history museum like i don't know we talked about this in text of like that's just a very oddly specific place to meet up yeah because they're talking about and how you have broke to pay to go yeah yeah i'm like why not central park I yeah think they didn't i think after jules and ingrid had met up in central park and then she disappeared like i don't know if she didn't trust that i don't know i agree though it was it's strange but i feel like very it was just random. for the plot it's for the drama very yeah the new york setting yes so they meet up at the museum and dylan says that erica left in a really similar way as ingrid like just randomly in the middle of the night one day and that he also had found a ring that had belonged to another apartment sitter um named megan who has been missing for like a year and so dylan and erica started kind of like talking and working together becoming friends and they all seem to realize that these apartment sitters are all people like single people they have no family no jobs no close friends really no one to check up on them kind of like we mentioned before um and so that is just something strange that sticks out among everyone and then dylan tells jules that the night ingrid went missing she was supposed to meet up with dylan ingrid was to tell him what she had learned about erica so yeah. they're all kind of connected and Jules is starting to realize like there's way more than I even thought here that's going on. Yeah. And so Jules reaches back out to Ingrid's friend Zeke, the one who had gotten the gun and was like, I need someone to unlock a phone. Can you do that? And he's like, works on the black market doing sketchy things. And so he's like, yeah, if mm -hmm. you pay me, I can do it. And so they get him to unlock Erica's phone and they find a video that Erica had taken where she's like scared of something. She, you can, she's like recording and saying how she doesn't feel safe and like something's wrong. And then you hear her get interrupted on the video by Greta, who is like bringing her a book, a copy of, the heart of a dreamer or whatever she brings that to uh, jules oh yeah. in the in the video she's interrupted by like knocking and there's somebody at the door and she just goes he's here and then the oh, video yeah ends. yeah it, yeah jules is watching that when she's interrupted by greta yes yeah so she goes to the door and greta's like i thought i'd bring you you know, a signed copy of my book since you're such a fan and she opens it and like her blood immediately goes cold because it's the exact same inscription that was on the book that she gave Ingrid. Something like about her youthfulness gives me life. And creepy. Creepy as hell. And Greta had also lied and said she'd never signed a copy for anyone else in the building, which she immediately knew was a lie. So, fast forward a little bit, and she's still in the apartment, but she gets a text from Ingrid, who she's been waiting days to hear from. But it doesn't sound like Ingrid. Like, 
very short responses, not a lot of details, a lot of, I can't talk, I'm fine, don't worry about me, like, no details. So she decides to test the person. She's starting to think it's somebody pretending to be Ingrid to, like, kind of throw her off the trail. So she tests them by asking her what her nickname is, because her name is Jules, it's not short for anything, but Ingrid kind of nicknamed her Juju, like, in the park, and... The only other um, that she told, like, Jules is her real name, not a nickname, was Nick whenever he was stitching her up. So the person responds, like, that's a trick question. Jules is your real name. So now she knows Nick is on the other side, pretending to be Ingrid. And then he pretty much immediately comes to her apartment and is like, hey, I wanted to talk about last night, like, when they slept together, but she doesn't answer the door and she also has the brilliant decision she makes the brilliant decision to wait two more days at the bartholomew get paid her thousand dollars and then she'll have money to leave and i'm like just get the hell out of there jules like what are you doing borrow money from chloe who's offered it five times now like (sighs) well now she's kind of like Screwed herself because Chloe is gone to Vermont with her boyfriend and she doesn't have the good cell phone service. So she's texted Chloe like, I think I'm mm-hmm. in danger. Something's wrong. But it like doesn't go through where she can't get a hold of Chloe. So And she's only got $27 left in her bank account now because she spent all this money getting the phone unlocked. So she's like, I have no, literally nowhere else to go. But yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I would have been... I don't know, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere else, like go to one of the shelters or something or like yeah. go to the police station and just camp out. But uh, it's, it's sad to yeah. think that there are people like, that that probably could be real of people that just have no one, like, yeah, it's awful. Else to go and no other money or like no credit card to charge a hotel room to or something mm-hmm. so uh that's rough absolutely so but jules keeps going through erica's phone to try and get some clue about what happened to her about you know what she was looking up and she sees that erica had recently been looking at marjorie milton who was the previous resident of 12a the apartment who they had told Jules had died, but then when she Googles her, she figures out that Marjorie is actually alive. So she just lives in a different apartment um, in the Upper West Side. So she tracks her down, which I love how bold she was to just like walk up to these people. Um, yeah. But Marjorie refuses to talk to her, is like, don't talk to me about that place when she brings up the Bartholomew. Um, but then she sees that she's wearing a pin of, I don't even know how you pronounce this. Ouroboros. That's what I would say, yeah. Okay. Which is like the snake, the symbol where like the snake is eating its tail. And she had seen like that symbol a lot throughout the Bartholomew. Like there's a painting in Nick's apartment. Other people had like little brooches of that. So she goes and does some research and she figures out it's a symbol um, in alchemy for like life rising from death. And it's also connected to, like, Satanism, some cults, and also the woman at the Bartholomew, Cornelia Swanson, who 
killed the, her servant at the Bartholomew, which is one of the articles Chloe had sent her, and that they are involved in a group called the Golden Chalice, which is a Satanist cult. Mm-hmm. So she is looking up Cornelia Swanson and she realizes she recognizes the photo um, of this woman because she'd seen it in Nick's apartment and also um, Greta Manville's apartment. So she's beginning to realize that the residents of the Bartholomew are this cult, the Golden Chalice Reborn, and they're using the young apartment sitters as sacrifices. Yes. Which, which I was like, okay. It gets weirder. It, it gets, gets weirder. Yeah, that's not even the main twist, but that was just like very strange. And definitely and so, not where I expected it to go. No, not at all. Not at all. So, like, meanwhile, at this time, Jules get, gets a call from Bobby, the girl at the homeless shelter, that's like, hey, that girl you're looking for has showed up. So Jules runs down there and she finds Ingrid alive, but she like looks horrible. She's dyed her hair really badly and just looks horrible. So Ingrid tells her that she's like, she figured out what was going on at the Bartholomew. She realized about this whole satanic cult and that she like, when she ran into Jules that very first day and like knocked her down and cut her, it wasn't an accident and that Leslie had paid her to do it because mm-hmm. they needed to like get closer to Jules and that the and they needed that Jules... to test her blood. Yeah. Which. Ugh. Yeah. And that the night that Jules heard the scream, it was Ingrid and mm-hmm. that Nick had come for her that night like he knew that she was getting on to what was happening there and what was going on and so he had come into the apartment and was trying to kill her or hurt her and Jules interrupted them which is why Ingrid was looking so weird and like frazzled that night and she kept messing around in her pocket because she had had pepper spray and so Jules actually was the interruption that like allowed her to like get a hold of her pepper spray, hit Nick with it, and then she was able to run away and escape. So Jules, mm-hmm. like, inadvertently helped her escape. And she's telling her all of this, which is just wild. And she feels really guilty about having to, like, knock her down and cutting her and, like, making Jules yeah. be a part of, you know, taking part in all of that. Um And so in the middle of this, they realize that it's a full moon tonight, which is, you know, the cult. Prime (laughs) Always. And so she tells Ingrid, like, stay here. I've got to go talk to Dylan and get him out of all of this, too. And when she goes back to the Bartholomew, Dylan isn't there. But then Leslie, Evelyn, appears as she does. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Jewel, this is where I... Jules goes back up to the apartment to get her stuff, which she doesn't really have anything except her copy of Heart of a Dreamer and, like, one family photo that has all of her Mm -hmm. family. Like, I don't think Jules is in it, but it's got her mom and dad and her sister all together, and that's, like, her prized person. So she wants to go up and get that, which I get, but I'm also, like, girl, get, like, no. Send the cops to come and get your stuff. 
Yeah. Or something. Life is in danger. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she runs up there to get her stuff, Nick appears and cuts her off. And he's got a gun, stun gun. So now we're getting into the nitty gritty of like something is going wrong. Yes. And because he had access the whole time because she kept talking about waking up like in the morning and feeling like there was another presence in the apartment, like just kind of like the silent swoosh, like you hear. It's not like a sound, but it's like, you know, somebody's there. Yes. Which freaked me out. But it's because he there's like this secret tunnel between 12a and 12b where nick lives that he was able to gain access into her apartment oh that gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah so bad. absolutely so she yeah. uses the dumbwaiter to get away from him but she's injured in the fall of the dumbwaiter and she's running out to the elevator um she gets to the lobby despite nick trying to stop her but then Charlie, the trusted doorman, tries to stop her. He's like, this is for my daughter. He's like, I'm sorry, but this is for my daughter. And I was like, Charlie, boy, what are you talking about? Um, but she had the sun gun from Nick at that point. She'd able to get away, get it away from him. So she sends Charlie. She runs outside like in a blind panic. And that's when she gets hit by the car. Yeah. So now we're full circle, like back to the beginning. And... So now when she's waking up again, like this whole time, there's been little spots in between each day chapter where she's talking Mm -hmm. to the doctors and like telling them what's up. And it's people that you don't recognize. Like it's doctors in a hospital, whatever. Well, now let me say from the beginning, I did not trust these people. I was like, she's not where she thinks she is. I did from the beginning. I was like, this is not right. I didn't, there was one point where, like, I didn't, but then in the middle, I was like, oh, no, it's fine, and then mm. it was not fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely It was not fine. not fine, because now she's woken up again, and with this Dr. Wagner, who she'd been talking to, suddenly Leslie is there, and so is Nick, and so she's freaking out. And she has this dream that, like, her whole family stabs her, this scary dream. She wakes up again, and Nick is there, and he's like, your surgery was a success. We only needed one of your kidneys. And she's like, what the hell? Which was my exact reaction. Yes. This is where I was just like, what just happened in this book? So she wakes up. Again, like she keeps going in and out of consciousness, pain, drugs, whatever. She wakes up again for the third time and Greta Manville is there. And this is where she hears the whole story. And Greta's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't want this to be you. I really liked you, but I needed your kidney. Like you saved my life, which makes the whole book inscription even so much creepier. Your youthfulness gives me life. Oh, because it was like, come to find out, Ingrid was supposed to be the organ donor for Greta. But when she disappeared, they found out that Jules was also an exact match. So they're like, we'll just use her instead. Yes. And so Greta, oh, I did not like her because she's Mm -mm. trying to be. I'm so sorry. I wanted to do the right thing for you. It's like, no, you just stole my kidney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. And so Nick shows up and 
kind of tells the whole story because his great grandfather was Thomas Bartholomew, the one who built the hotel, the original. And he bought like built it as this safe haven and place for the rich and the wealthy to try to keep them away from the diseases and the troubles of the outside world and the troubles of the poor people or whatever. And he was the one who had like jumped off of the building and killed himself, whatever. Mm-hmm. But Nick is now continuing the family business by keeping the Bartholomew, this haven for rich and wealthy people. And they use it as a front for this like underground black market organ donor ring and so the wealthy people which sounds so so ridiculous it's ridiculous (laughs) this is where it lost me this whole book like i was invested it didn't lose me but i was definitely like what like talk about a twist you don't see coming it started to lose me with the satanic thing but i was like okay i can get behind that but this this just lost me. The organ donation <laughs> ring just got me. Yeah. But they get, they like have the rich people stay there as residents. And then they find these apartment sitters who they can mm-hmm. use as organ donors. So she learns that all of the residents that she thought were just people that lived there, like the soap opera actress with the dog. And the old man who had the heart attack with the fire, they're all really rich people staying there until they can find someone to be their organ donor. Unwilling Mm -hmm. organ donor, we should add. This is not, obviously, this is not a mutual thing. Um, But she learns that Cornelia Swanson and the dead servant was like the first transplant that they tried there and it went badly. And so that was how that all went about. Um, and that it really has nothing to do with Satanism. That was just kind of the front for that this. Is. Yeah, this organ donor ring. And then he also tells her that they've taken her kidney for Greta, but they're going to use her heart for Charlie's, the doorman's daughter and her liver for Marianne, the soap opera actress. Yeah. Which is just so, like, oh God. Yeah. So like pays her one last visit and she's like, I'm going to move back to the Bartholomew tomorrow. And that's kind of like the hint to Jules that her room will be vacated, which means there's room for someone else. And presumably that's when they're going to take the rest of Jules's organs. So she knows if she's going to make a break for it, it has to be tonight. So she's been faking and taking her pain pills. They've, you know, been giving them to kind of like subdue her and take the fight out of her, but she spits them out as soon as they leave the room. So that night she decides to make break for it. And um, she's recently had swiped a lighter from one of the nurses, the nurse she caught smoking down in the basement. In fact, um, she took her lighter and she begins her escape. So she gets out of bed and she sets the bed on fire, um, t- which is pretty clever. This is all pretty clever, honestly. Mm-hmm. She sets the bed yeah. on fire to set off the alarm and then stands like out of sight of the door. So when the nurses rush in at the fire alarm, she slips out and locks them in. So then she's exiting the hospital area, which leads straight into Nick's apartment. And Leslie like rushes in 
um, from that doorway to go check on the fire alarm as well. And she slips into Nick's apartment. But of course, Nick is there. Um, But on her way out, she had grabbed, I think, like a carving knife from Nick's kitchen. And whenever he rushes towards her, she stabs him, uh, which is no less than he deserved. But yeah, she then uses like the secret tunnel from Nick's apartment to her quote unquote her apartment starts setting everything on fire in there as well like the books the couch everything in the kitchen um because she's like (laughs) I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of this place but I'm bringing it down with me essentially so this was actually my favorite scene because she's like walking through the Bartholomew setting everything on fire and she's like in a hospital gown with a bloodied knife and a lighter and she probably looks terrible. I can terrible just see she, it. Yes. Yes. Just like, and she is like walking. She goes to the elevator because she just had an organ removed. So she's like riding the elevator down. And the way the elevator shaft is, is you can see into it. Like it's just a grate. So you can see into it going down the stairs. So all the residents evacuating can see her <laughs> descending in her hospital gown with her knife. And it was just so so amazing and her the dog um, she grabbed rufus again yeah like this was my favorite part because she like gets to the lobby and she sees rufus running and barking because there's another fire and he's confused and marianne yet again just lets him go so she just bends down and scoops rufus up and like walks out of the burning building with a knife mm-hmm. and her little chihuahua dog i pictured him as a chihuahua um and then the fire department's already there she obviously looks a mess walking out. So the EMTs come up to her and start to help her. Um, you know, she's starting to tell her story. But as they're loading her into the ambulance, she like takes one last look at the Bartholomew. And Nick has been cornered up on the roof by the police officers. He, you know, is still alive after she stabbed him. But just like his great grandfather before him, who designed the building, Nick escapes and jumps off the roof and kills himself i love that little like poetic the ending was great the twist was was mind-blowing and so so weird but the ending scene where she's like burning the building down that was a great that was a great scene (laughs) yes it really was and i could see all of that like happening like a movie and just the greatest reveal so then it flashes to six months later and does like a little wrap up of how everyone has fared after this. And so Chloe, her friend, has moved in with her boyfriend, Paul, and Jules has been staying at Chloe's apartment. And so after the fire and the story kind of broke, the police went in and started doing a deep dive investigation and they found mm-hmm. records in um, Leslie Evelyn's office because she was not the apartment manager, but the manager of this organ donation ring. And that over 40 (laughs) years, over 200 people had received organs from 126 unwilling donors, most of who were runaways or homeless people, which is just like heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's truly awful. Yes. And Charlie, the doorman, ended up rolling on the whole operation and gave the cops 
as much information as he knew and got a lot of the people arrested and convicted, like former residents, the famous people that had lived there and benefited from these organ donors, um, which like, I don't know. I was so disappointed in Charlie. I was the most disappointed in him the whole time. Me too. He was my favorite. I, see, you trusted me. I said Charlie. <laughs> and they both did us dirty in different ways. Guy. They both did us dirty. But the Bartholomew is now in the process of being torn down because of this scandal and all of the horrible past. Obviously, it's like blight on the city that all of this happened there um, right i mean people like to live in historical buildings with the story but i think you know maybe it's going too far this time <laughs> uh yeah not that kind of story not that like, kind of story thank you horrible and one thing is that like the only person who kind of escaped all of this because nick killed himself leslie's convicted all these other people but greta manville manages to just quietly escape into the world she doesn't kill herself she doesn't wind up in prison and that pissed me off i did not like her at all bad vibes she's just out there living with her stolen kidney secretly somewhere yeah oh burns me up but jules has been on tv a lot obviously doing press and being interviewed about this whole story because she's like the crux that broke the story And she, you know, puts out pleas asking for information about her sister, Jane, because I think this whole thing has brought that back up of like, maybe something similar happened to my sister, or maybe my sister is really out there. Like she's just trying to get answers. She and Ingrid reconnected and have become friends and like Mm -hmm. are still in each other's life. And we never get any new information on Jane, which was a plot hole that I did not enjoy. But I don't it a plot hole because it's very realistic. I know, but it, it's it, a very it's not realistic a plot ending to not have. Off. Yeah, I you know it's like very realistic that you never get information. It's heartbreaking. I don't I like it, but I was like, I can see why he did that. I know, but I didn't like that. I wanted there to be closure on that. Like, there's closure on everything else except that. But the book ends with Jules watching the first wrecking ball hit the Bartholomew. And, you know, kind of closing that chapter. So, that was it. It was, this book was a wild ride. Like Wild. I mean, good discussion. And I also love how long this episode is because you can't really do a broad overview of this. Like, I feel like you have to talk about every detail that happened yeah. in this book. I'm also surprised, which we say this all the time. I'm, <laughs> I thought this would be a shorter one because it's a short yeah. book, like physically, and it takes place over the span of like seven days. Yeah. But there's just so much that happens. And like, I do. I did like this book, and I liked the pace of it, and it kept me invested. But I really just like the underground organ ring. Just it just it was weird. It was weird. It was well put together. Like I don't feel like anything happened that didn't contribute to the plot. So I like appreciated that. Um, how everything like did tie together, but it was definitely weird. (laughs) It was a weird book. 
it's very strange. But yeah, I mean, it had the good thriller pacing. It had some moments where you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Like scary yeah. type moments. So I definitely appreciated that. And I like the idea of him like working in the targets of the book being like homeless people or less yeah. advantaged people. Cause I feel like that is how it really is. Like a lot of crimes are targeted to those people. So I do appreciate that realistic tie in. It was just like an underground organ ring. Like, is that really happening? Surely not. I would hope not. <laughs> you probably somewhere in the world it is. I know sure. that's what's, that's what's concerning is that yes, probably somewhere yeah. it is honestly, but it just threw me for a loop. Oh, so. for sure. I would definitely read another one of his books. Like, I am interested because yes. it was well written. But I'm also confused. I was confused. Like, why was it called Lock Every Door? I don't know. I never really got you that You know, either. like, the title, like, didn't really tie into what the book was about. I don't know. It's got me interested. I'm, like, equal parts interested and also worried I'm going to be annoyed because like I said I'm about halfway through another book mm -hmm. of his and I haven't mm -hmm. gotten to the twist yet so I'm like interested to see if it's a big crazy twist like this but also yeah. I feel like I'm going to be mad if it is because I feel like I invest <laughs> like I don't know it's just it's just strange a strange twist yeah but for sure. overall definitely enjoyable for sure yeah and like you so. said it's a good like catalyst to get you back into reading because it yes. is interesting. It does, you know, keep your attention, keep you wanting to figure out what happens in the next chapter. Even at the end, yeah. you're even if the twist threw you like it did for us, I was still like, I gotta find out why and who and Yes. You know, I still you needed to know more. Yeah, you definitely want to keep reading. So Yeah. Cool. So that's well, our not maybe not so quick review of Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. Um, if you've read it or any of his other books or something similar that you think that we would enjoy and should talk about on the pod, um, go ahead and send us a message on Instagram at life and lit pod, or you can email us at life and lit pod at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure that's our email. I actually don't really know. Um, and yeah, give us a follow. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know any other mystery thrillers that you recommend because I'm kind of on that kick now. Yes, absolutely. So we're excited for our the rest of our lineup for May. But until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Mm -hmm.